I'm Ray Wildwood. You Would you like my, a sausage pizza? You want to see my ray gun? Ray gun? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wildwood. And this just your and this is the guy, going everywhere. And this is the guy that carries my big cock, Isaac Berry. Hi. <laughs> This is Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Be advised that the Literate Apecast is recorded for adults with adult themes and language. If you are easily offended, best to cover your ears. But then why listen to a podcast, dumbass? Losing their shit over this, right? They're burning their Nike stuff because Which is how the could stupidest they do this? It's fucking so thing. Stupid. Come on, you're already Nike's the, like, go ahead, burn yeah, it. That, well, We've got just your give, money. The thing is, it just gives Nike a massive amount of free publicity. Every time somebody puts on a viral thing of them burning their fucking shoes, yeah. Nike already got the money. They don't give a fuck. They don't care. The thing I think is hysterical is that they're going to burn their shoes in protest of them using Colin Kaepernick as a spokesperson. Right. But they didn't have a problem wearing the shoes, knowing that they were made by, you know, Indonesian children for a dollar a day. Well, Indonesian children aren't American children, so well, who cares? Yeah. Not that, they, not that these people protesting care much about American children anyway, yeah, but well, that's a whole other thing. Interesting. But case. here's what's great about it, is that the NFL... All of their apparel is provided by Nike. I know. The contract goes until 2028. Yep. This is some weird satire shit. It's like, I almost feel like Nike's trolling these assholes. Well, you know what this is? This is just a, re- this is a revisitation of Freedom Fries. Yeah, yeah. When in the White House and in the commissary, yeah. as a protest against the right. French. The French who wouldn't join us rean- to kill they Iraqis. They renamed yeah. French fries Freedom Fries. Yeah. What a bunch of fucking dumbasses. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. What yeah. what morons. That was ridiculous. Do you think that that's going to, A, make a difference, and B, anybody gives a shit? No one's it's calling still a French Freedom fucking fries. fry. Yeah. It, or it's a fry. If nobody orders French fries, anyway, they order fries. I order French fries. Do you Every, say I'll have an order of French fries? Yeah, give me some French fries. Really? Yeah. I don't know that I've ever done that. I think it's just I'll have fries. Well, it's because you're you're mainly hip. Well, I also, you know, I'm not okay with the French anymore because they wouldn't join us in the war. I like so, the French. Yeah. I don't care about the French. You know, they pee one in way public. The they all smoke. Yeah. Their women are loose. It's, it's kind of your good. thing. This is your thing. Yeah, I like yeah. the French. The French are kick-ass. They're yeah. rude. Right. They're kind of pissy. You should be French. I, you know, if, you should I, move to if Paris. I weren't so ridiculously white American, as <laughs> if you weren't slightly, so American, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I yeah, I, I, I can be French. I like, I like those dudes. But here's the other interesting thing about why they chose Kaepernick because I don't, other than Spike Lee when he was as um, Mars Blackman, yeah, with Michael Jordan on that campaign, like way back in the late '80s, early '90s, whenever that was. Um, I don't know that they've ever used a spokesperson that wasn't. A, a athletic great, right? Like Jordan and Serena and all these other... And Colin Kaepernick, even if he was still playing, he's not an athletic great. Yeah. He was good. He was, a good, he was good. He was good. But he wasn't like... He wasn't Jordan or exactly. Williams or yeah. even, you know, probably Beckham Jr. I don't know. Yeah. I don't follow Adele Beckham Jr.'s career. But um, I just... Yeah, I just think it's funny. Here's the other thing. So I'm, I'm looking into this stuff and I saw that Nike's first childcare facility... I guess on their camp, you know, on their campus up in Oregon, was named after um, what's his face, um, 
uh, Joe Paterno. Okay. The head football <laughs> coach of Penn State. So now I don't know how many years that was the case, but as soon as this the thing broke, that you know there was all the the the, the rape, the child rape, and yeah, the pedophilia, okay. and the cover up of it, they yanked the name right off. I just think yeah. that's hilarious. Like yeah. this whole thing is just I get such a kick out of it, and yeah. watching people be pissed about it, and watching people be pissed about how pissed the other people are, and it's just. What a fun week. What a fun news week. Well, you know, I, mean, I, just, I just think we're in a fun, we're in an awful, I mean, it is, it's, it is the quintessential Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. We are living in extraordinarily interesting times. Yeah. And, uh, and you can either rail against it or you can have intelligent conversations about it. Yeah. Or you can just sort of dismiss it and go, fuck this shit. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I'm, I'm different every every day. Every day. Oh, sometimes yeah. I'm just like, ah! And then sometimes, like, I would like to have an intellectual discussion about. And then other times I'm just like, I'm just going to fucking hide. Yeah, sometimes I don't give a shit. Straight Katie, up my ass and never talk to anyone. Katie came home the other night, last week, I think, and asked, like, what's going on in the news? I was so busy today I didn't catch anything. I go, I don't fucking know. I didn't check it because I was just so bored and, you're and just tired happier of everything. that way, aren't you? Yeah, it was fine. Like, eh. I just, I didn't waste my time reading about the same shit. Like, oh, Trump did something stupid or people don't like Trump or like, ugh. But this week was exciting because All kinds there was of the shit. Kaepernick stuff. That was new. There was the Rom news, which was exciting. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, locally again, you know, the, the Justin Van Dyke trial mm-hmm. is kicking off and that's like, this is finally new news that I'm, I'm looking forward to. You know he's not going to get convicted. I'm really afraid he's not going to get convicted. You know he's not going to get convicted. Do you know how bad the, why that's do you think be? Ron, why do you think Rahm Emanuel is oh. not running for a third time? Oh, Who absolutely. Who yeah. wants to be the mayor when that shit goes down? And that's, I mean, I wrote about this in my, in my piece, yeah, is that, you know, he's, he's getting, he's skipping town. Mm-hmm. You know, when this shit hits the fan, he doesn't have to be there to answer he's the questions. He's not responsible for that bullshit and, or at least he won't be, he'll be held he responsible be held, for he'll it. He'll be but, held responsible for but it. But he didn't have to be, clean it up. Right. Any yep. more than he already didn't. Yeah. Yep. You know, which no, is, a, it's, a, it's a pussy's way out, but also, you know, like I said in my piece, maybe he's smart enough to know when he's fucked something so bad that it's so fucked, you just like, I, I can't, it's it's too late. There's nothing I can do. Well, this is the thing is I don't think he fucked things up. I mean, this thing, I don't like Rahm Emanuel and I don't like what he's done for the most part as a mayor. However, he's been very consistent. He has a very specific neoliberal worldview of how things need to go. A lot of that is about privatization. Um, you know, I mean, you got to give him credit where credit is due. He did inform and he pushed it through. Raising the minimum wage in Chicago, and created a petri dish for the rest of the nation to see that you know all no. that. Oh, raising the minimum wage will kill small kill businesses. businesses. Yeah. No, no, it didn't. It there didn't do some, that at all. I heard a story this morning on the radio that uh, some some report has come out on the effects of raising the minimum wage and how it has helped or hurt, and it. For the most part, it hasn't done Any, much of anything. It, like it's, it's giving a, people more money. It's giving people more money, money and it's made the it. economy a little bit better because now people, you know, basically the idea that is the exact antithesis to trickle down economics, which right. is if people have money, they will spend said money. Street you were raised on, and your middle, like your middle name, and the you know, street I you were raised on. I think people just make shit up. I yeah. don't know. It could be the last thing you ate, and it'd be Isaac Barry. 
Eh, Isaac Berry just name. does not. That's a terrible porn name. That's a rabbi's name. Yeah. So what is it again? It's, it's your pet. Your your middle name. Oh. Uh, yeah. So okay. your middle name and the street you grew up on. Oh, so I'm Ray Wildwood. Are you fucking serious? Ray Wildwood. That's kind of awesome. Hi. I'm Ray Wildwood. You want to see like my, a sausage pizza? You want to see my ray gun? Ray gun? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wildwood. And this just and, your and this is the guy, going everywhere. And this is the guy that carries my big cock, Isaac Berry. I'm I'm his fluffer. It's a meta porno. We like we break the fourth it's wall. It's totally <laughs> meta. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. <laughs> Coming soon to literate ape. Yes, yeah, right. The uh, metaporn. We, we just call it metaporn. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Metaporn hub. I like it. Where it's a whole Canadian consortium of <laughs> metapornography. Canadian. Well, because Pornhub is Canadian. Is it really? Yeah, you didn't know Pornhub. But yeah, it's founded in Canada. That's so weird. Now every time I'm jerking off, I'm gonna think about Justin. Trudeau. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Which I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bang, I, I spank it to Justin he can Trudeau. Plank. Yeah, he, he, or, he can Right? Isn't that his thing? Like, wasn't that his thing? Like, he was <laughs> planking or some shit? Like, right? I don't, don't know. I don't follow <laughs> Jason Trudeau. You know, Canadian politicians. Jason Trudeau. I don't know who the fuck the guy Justin? is. Justin? Justin Trudeau, whatever. That's right. I almost called Justin Van Dyke Jason there Van Dyke. There you go. I so just don't whatever. follow, like, you know, I barely, look alike. I barely follow our own politicians. Yeah. Why would I follow Canadian politicians? Well, because they have a crackhead, or they used to have a crackhead, the mayor of Toronto. Oh, yeah, that guy was that? awesome, though. He's dead now. What's his name? What was that? I don't know. Dead mayor of... Dead Tom Ford? I don't know. Tom, yeah. Tom something. Tom, no, Tom Ford's the fashion guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Tom something. But I love that guy because he, he was, was amazing. Well, he was he was the Canadian a- he equivalent was of Donald on Trump. Crack. I know he was the equivalent <laughs> of Donald Trump, which was I am the least qualified, most criminally. I'm a fucking moron. I'm a crackhead. I'm fat. I'm stupid, and I'm a politician. I'm the mayor, and you know, so we got of a big ass city. We basically got that guy as our president. Yeah. You know, except, except he doesn't drink, right, or do or smoke drugs. or do anything. And he, he just, probably should. He's just perpetually sort of—I don't even know. I think the reason he doesn't drink is because nobody ever invited him out for a drink. Like he, no, he doesn't drink at the country club. He doesn't and all that drink shit. because his his oldest brother died of alcoholism. Is that right? That is true. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh wow, that's really sad. Yeah, that's why he's never he's never died of alcohol, according to him, because his oldest brother died. That changes everything. Of alcoholism. Right? Oh, you suddenly you suddenly feel yeah. sorry for little Donnie. I mean, that's a hard that's a hard life to lose a sibling that way. That's mm-hmm. oh man, I feel I feel really bad for Donald Trump. No, I don't that's feel bad hard. for Donald Trump. He's a grown man. I mean that that explains why he hates Mexicans and blacks and poors and some pores? most Jews poors poors yeah people right. without money. Well, I know I, I didn't realize they were called poors. Yeah, sure. Okay, go, keep going. The pores. Yeah. Who else doesn't he like? I mean, the pores kind of encapsulates all the people he doesn't like. He doesn't like, like anybody but himself. Yeah. And the dead corpse of Roy Cohn, who he... Yeah. yeah he, That's he, actually a sad yeah. story. Like, Roy Cohn was, like, heartbroken yeah. over this. He's like, what did he say? Like, one of his final words is, like, Donald Trump pisses ice water. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he just turned on him when he got all AIDS sick. Yeah, yeah. Which, well, you, know. you know. Angels in America. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's crazy. Yeah, but I, 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 the only thing about the Colin Kaepernick thing that, that really annoys me, but I understand it, is when mainstream uh, 
journalistic outlets refer to his protest as an anthem protest. As if he was protesting the, the national anthem. anthem. Yeah. He was not protesting the national anthem. He was protesting police brutality against blacks. It just happened that he used the anthem, the, the playing of the anthem, as the opportunity to protest. But he wasn't protesting the national right. fucking anthem. And the reason he took that opportunity was, one, it's, you know, people are watching it. It's, it's a stage. It was, it's an opportunity. Yeah. And two, the anthem celebrates the country. And in a country that supports or turns a blind eye to the police brutality, you know, whatever. Well, I don't want to say embraces it. The but, thing about you know, it, and I know this, this, this that's the thing. This, this, where, police brutality, where police brutality thrives in this country. And, you know, it, that, and actually doesn't thrive. This is the thing that's very frustrating yeah. about this. And I understand that, you know, everything, if you want any kind of political change or any kind of change of behavior, you have to have a really good narrative that you're following. Yeah. But the narrative that police brutality and the shooting of blacks um, in this country by police is rampant is just not, it, it is not statistically true. Well, they don't walk around just, oh, there's a black guy, bang. No, I'm not even saying that. But there are 900,000 police employed in the United States yeah. and only about, I want to say, say less than 300 have ever been involved in a shooting of an unarmed, unarmed person. But the problem with that, and, and you're right, like statistically, I mean, that is, it's statistically, fine. statistically yeah. that's a blip. What it is, is it's not, and, that, and that, I, I love this phrase. I heard this on, uh, I, I don't even know where I heard it, but it was like a podcast, but I love the phrase, which is it's not getting worse in this country, it's that our information's getting so much better. Yeah, nothing, there's nothing new here. Yeah, I mean, it's just been going on for a long time. Yeah. The, the problem is that, and the frustrating part is that it's, uh, when it happens in that st- in that those three hundred, let's say, you know, like one hundred percent of that is, it's it's not fair. It's not well, right. It's they're not targeted, fair. and, there, and, there, and there is no and a level this, of racism and violence. There is no aimed at that legitimate jurisprudence that prevents it. There is right. no punishment for doing it. Right, and that's really what's at, at odds. It's not that it's rampant or that it's an epidemic any more than white women calling the police on black people is for being in a pool or selling water <laughs> without a permit right. is an epidemic. It's just that. Somebody gets a video, they put it on there, it goes viral, and then two days later, there's another video of somebody mm-hmm. else doing it. It's not like millions of white women right. are calling the cops on black people. It's just that there are enough, and we've made a big enough deal about it, yeah. that it seems like, my God, all it's white women everybody, are yeah. calling. It's not happening. Right. It's just not happening. Right. And and so I understand that in, in sort of that look at my issue, you have to inflate things. You have to conflate a hugeness to the problem or nobody pays attention. And if, you know, when, when you've got a 24 hour news cycle and you've mm-hmm. got seven and a half billion people on the planet and you've got cell phones, you've got the internet, you got to make a big fucking stink about anything. If yeah. you want anything done. Yeah. There's a lot, you have to do a lot to get through the white yeah. noise. And, and what I can applaud Colin Kaepernick for, for doing is this is the thing. And I think, you know, I, I know you know I feel this way is that I think most protests are a complete waste of fucking time you know it's because yeah. it's like hey let's get a whole bunch of people that are going to scream a lot and they all agree with each other to no pragmatic end mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fucking people screaming and yelling and carrying signs 
but what you if you want to do effective and this is what I've, I've said this since in, in, in studying protest in the 60s if you want to, to protest effectively you have to have an image that carries you have to have a single solitary image that makes a difference and I go back to uh, and I can't remember her name unfortunately but the woman during the, uh, the, the, the protests about the kids getting stuck in cages on the border oh yeah you know yeah. the one woman who climbed up on the Statue of Liberty. Mm -hmm. That by itself was more powerful than all the thousands of people pissing and moaning in the streets because that image is powerful. Right. Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem amongst a bunch of other white players Mm -hmm. not kneeling is powerful. I was talking to my barber and the topic came up about People who, like in in the the rural areas, or the, let's just Utah, right? That, that never see black people. Like, why do they hate them? They don't even see them. Like, mm-hmm. how can you hate people you don't see? That, you know, like he's like, I grew up, you know, with these guys that had never seen a Jewish person. They were really anti-Semitic, and it's like, why? We don't even know any Jews. What the hell? Yeah. But that's the reason that they hate them, because they hear the shit, the rumors that you They're know, the on the me- and the media. And I'm not going to, I don't want to sound like I'm doing the, the media presents this and uh, it's all their fault. That's not what I'm trying to do. But there is, uh, there is evidence that the story that sells is the scary black guy that the cops Mm -hmm. tackled down. So people, yeah, in, in Provo, Utah, who don't have a lot of blacks. Uh, see that and they're like well black people are bad and if we see one maybe he's one of oh, yeah. those that I saw from the TV and you talk, it's you, stupid if you, you grow up around him, you're like not everybody's bad. there's bad people there's bad whites there's bad blacks there's bad Indians there's bad whatever everything everybody's there's got crazy bad. rich Asians that are bad too you know I mean there's no no they're just adorable and rom com do you mean adorable because Asians are short no because they're in a movie oh anyway gotcha. okay um, no I, it, it, it's it is. It's a part of confirmation bias, and I know that just at this point that that has become as hackneyed to say as white privilege. It's just like, oh Jesus Christ, not that word again, not confirmation bias. Yeah. But we believe what we want to believe, mm-hmm. and we also believe what we're told over and over and over. Right. And you know, it's why I think proximity breeds familiarity. Yes. That isolation of it's it's why I really have a, an issue with the concept of identity politics is that tribalism is the opposite of... I mean, it is, it is the polar opposite of what is necessary for a democracy. Mm-hmm. You know, tribalism is not about democracy. It's about cordoning off each other in, in others mm-hmm. and creating... I mean, ultimately, you know, if, if you want to see the, the, the result of the ultimate identity politics, look at the Civil War. Right. And we have to walk a fine line in, in America because we are this melting pot. Um... You know, like we want to celebrate everybody's diversity and their, where they came from, and like you know, what is that? I think May is Asian Pacific Heritage Month, right? You know, First February is you know Black History Month. Yeah. Like, there's all these. But, so, how do we celebrate our differences and still acknowledge that? But we're all the same, despite all of our differences. We're all the same. We're all Americans. We're all in this together. But because it's May, let's pay more attention. You know, and I'm not. 
I'm not saying we should do away with Black History Month or well, specific is, heritage we month actually, or anything like I that. Think but it's, we it makes it do hard. away with Black History Month because there shouldn't be a Black History right. Month. There should just there should be, be history. Black History. Black History should be should be in the history part, books and right. part of our yes. regular history. That yes. you know that that you know it's well. It's like the idea, and this is the thing: is part of it is centralized. Is is that the reason the Alamo is even known is because textbooks in the United States. No, because Texas is the home of most, where, where most textbooks are written right. and published. Yeah. And they control what we, what all these schools, so, and they went, hey, Texas, the Alamo. Yeah. Talk about the worst possible state to have control over textbooks, but yeah, they do. And not even a great story, because it's we a got shit our story. asses handed yeah, to terrible us. Story. Yeah, yeah. It's a terrible story. One of my really good friends, I respect her thoughts. We disagree on things because she's far more left than I am and far more strident about, uh, more strident SJW than I will ever be. And I'm not an SJW at all. No, not at all. Um, Because that has a new. You and I are really not uh, the the far left progressives. That's just not. We want social justice. Yeah, we want people. I don't want social justice. justice. I want justice. Yes, right. I want equity. But I said, I asked her, do you want. You know, the future is female. Explain that to me. Like, do you want women to rule everything? She goes, well, isn't it our turn? I go, but that's not equality. So how, like, what, you're just, you're also, just changing it, the power dynamic, also, which, and that when power is absolute, no matter who's got it, it's still fucking evil. It ignores the idea that, 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 or it can become that evil. women are just as human as men. Yeah. That, that, that the idea that suddenly women would all be in charge and men would not be in charge and somehow they do it better. Right. They might do some things better. But there are plenty of Amorosas out there. There are plenty of well, who was conniving that, who pieces was that, of shit that, that will that will fucking asshole. The she was the head of the the one who jacked up the EpiPen. Oh yeah, yeah. Whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, like, yeah. there you go. The thing is, she don't got no dick. We're all human, and human beings. We have to fight against the demons of our worst nature, and we have to fight for the angels of our better. Mm-hmm. And and everybody's the same in that regard. And it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what what identity you hold mm-hmm. on to. Your 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 primary identity is that you are a hum- Homo sapien, mm-hmm. and Homo sapiens, by their very nature, are very social animals that like to destroy other social animals. This is a like the the coda to President Kennedy's speech at American University. Yeah, but, you know, we all breathe the same air. We all ter- we all cherish our children's futures, and we're all mortal. You know, and we're all like, mortal, and we're all selfish, and we're all dickheads, right? the potential assholes. We're terrible fucking assholes, all of us. And the ones that that get by, the ones that actually live lives that I think you can call with integrity, are the ones that 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 defeat or uh, put at bay the demons of their worst nature, mm-hmm. and. But, but the acknowledgement that they, that like some any class of people suddenly doesn't have those demons, and that one class does, yeah. is is lunacy. Right. I had a conversation. I want to hear what you say about this. Um, I had a conversation with my ushers, and she's a very strident. She's mixed race. Her father was white. Her mother's black. Um, as you, I mean, we work with somebody all summer, and you've got a lot of downtime yeah. while things are going on. You get to know. And she is quite strident, quite strident, very progressive, high, you know. See, I was going to guess far, like, alt-right. No, no, she is way, (laughs) way left, ridiculous left. And so, and the other night, 
We're having a conversation. She pulls me over. She's having a conversation. And nobody on the ushering staff wants to talk to her. Because she's such... There's, she's hard to talk to. She has no other agenda than to talk about how shitty everything is. Right? Yeah. And that just gets old after a while. It just really does. Well, anybody case. who's going to talk about anything yeah. constantly yeah. with yeah. such and passion, so, it's like, oh, come on. I come I'm over tired of hearing about says, Bitcoin. Let's and she go. Says, she says, Don, um, let me ask you a question. We're having a conversation. Um, and you're progressive enough. I'm like, oh, well, thank you for your seal of approval for my progressive. Tell that to my wife. Yeah, no shit. She thinks I'm right wing. <laughs> um, but I said, okay. And she said, how do you feel about white couples adopting children of color? I said, I think it's generally a bad idea, but given the statistics that most families of color, most couples of color do not adopt. Like, I mean, if you look at the statistics, Mm -hmm. and I said, I'm sorry that I happen to know these statistics because I've read about this because this was an issue because I've got a friend who's, I've got a friend who's white and his wife is white and they've got an adopted black child. Mm -hmm. And he and I had this long discussion. So, of course, I went home and I went, let me read up on this because I want to know more about it. And... Adoption rates for black families, for Asian families, for Latino families are, are historically low. They're very low. Do you think that's an issue of, of wealth? Because it's expensive. I think it's, I think it's an issue adopt. of means, and I think it's, it's a different uh, familial sort of uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but predom- predominantly or white. White man's burden. Well, and the thing is, I think there's probably some of that. It's the Angelina Jolie, let me adopt every, you know. Nation of Islam. She's got a fucking thing, you know? zoo, man. She's got, got them all. Yep. Um, but, Collect them all. But the thing about it is, I said, I think it's traditionally <laughs> a bad idea. She adopts kids like Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She collects them like Pokemon. Um, but that's the thing is, I said, I said, I think it's a bad idea for the most part, and it's a real challenge, and it's a very difficult situation. I said, but I said, you know, the choice, I think a lot of times the choice is if they're not adopted by a white couple, they're not adopted. Huh. And and so yeah. I think it's while it's an unfortunate, probably an unfortunate and very difficult circumstance, um, I don't think it is universally a bad thing. It's you know it's just it's a thing that sometimes has to happen. As mm-hmm. as is with my friend, who adopted this black daughter, mm-hmm. who I mean nobody wanted her. Where what where was she from? Was she Chicago? Okay, so she was. Oh, she yeah, was the, American though. Oh yeah, this she is Chicago. Like, no, 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 okay, no. this All is right. Chicago, and she was from a very very. Very broken home. Okay, father's a felon. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of problems. Yeah, and uh, and and pretty much nobody wanted her because the parents still live in Chicago. Yeah, it could be awkward. You run into each other at the. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole the thing about it is there is a there's a law <laughs> since the birth parents are still here that yeah. they they get visitation. Yeah, and so that creates. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that is right. And it was it was a little. Is that an Illinois law, or is that a? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the specifics, but 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 they, they can petition for and be granted visitation. Okay. And uh, that was the case with this young girl, and so nobody really wanted to adopt her because they didn't want to deal with this fucking dad, yeah. her natural father. They didn't want to be around him. I got my rights. Yeah, you yeah. know, I was mean, you know, and but they decided they that she needed, she had to have some sort of familiar structure and something that was safe, mm-hmm. and so they adopted her. Okay. They're ha- I mean, and it's hard. And he and I have talked about that. As a white couple, they know that they are not able to cultivate. So anyway, she went, She brings me in, and we start having this discussion. And then all of a sudden, within 10 minutes, and, and I let her hold court for a little while, but in 10 minutes, it suddenly hit me. As she's talking, she has said in almost every third sentence something damning about white people. 
hmm. about how white people are shitty and about th- white people do this and white men do this and white people do this and how shitty they are and how stupid they are and how, you know, I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. And it suddenly hit me because it doesn't offend me because I don't give a shit. But right. I said, uh, I said, I know this is going to come as a surprise to you. I, I said, I'm, I'm, and I don't blame you because it's kind of hard to spot. Yeah. But I am white people. I'm a white man. Mm-hmm. And you're the enemy. I said, I said, and it's interesting that for the last 10 minutes, you've, you've said any number of truly damning statements about white people mm-hmm. to me. And I said, now I'm not going to get offended because white isn't a race. It's a social structure that was created a long time ago. And I get that. Yet, when you're talking about white people, you mean me. Yeah. And I said, does that not strike you as odd? Hmm. And her response was the response I expected is, well, I can't be race, racist against white people because racism only comes from white people. And I went, okay. I said, oh, for hey, you know what I mean? The thing about it is I didn't, I didn't roll my eyes. I, I went, okay. I said, I, I said, that's, that's kind of the response that I would have expected. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, I said, it's just something I, I said, obviously you're not going to think about it, but it's going to be something I'm going to think a lot about. Yeah. Because it's, and she said, well, are you feeling a little fragile? I oh said, no. God. I said, no, not at all. I said, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I said, I said, if I cared deeply about what you thought of me, maybe it would, but I don't know you well enough to care deeply about what you thought of me. So and it certainly doesn't offend me. Mm-hmm. I said, but maybe that's my white privilege. I am, I am privileged enough to not be offended or grown up enough to be right. not offended. I mean, right. you, 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 you can say I'm privileged enough not to be offended, and I can say I'm an adult. Yeah. I just found here's, it really interesting. Here's the interesting thing is, I mean, does she not see you as a white person because you're not the bad guy? You're not the, you're not removed to, the, to, to fit her rhetoric? Because it sounds like she was just churning out or spitting out rhetoric that she's heard talking points. That's exactly what she was doing. You know, and it didn't dawn on her that, oh, I'm talking to a white guy who isn't these things. Yeah. Well, it's an abstract evil. Yeah. It's not right. a concrete evil. It's an abstract evil, which is a part of a pernicious narrative that paints. And, and it's not just, oh, let's pernate, you know, paint a pernicious narrative about white people. Any time you and I'm not going to say that, oh, it's all about racism. I don't actually think it is racism. What I think it is, is otherism. Yeah. And otherism is to, to, to paint an entire population of people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be limited. It's the left. It's the right. It's, it's the, those who aren't left enough. It's those it's, who aren't left enough. Yeah. It's those who aren't right enough. It's all, it, is, it is an otherism that basically states, if you're a part of this other, you automatically are in agreement with all of what these other... And that goes against every principle that is what the United States is supposed to stand for, which is individualism. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's that's just it, is that there's... My grandfather-in-law, Katie's grandfather, on... We haven't gotten into politics, but he's had a Trump signs in his yard and, you know, bought the knockoff uh, Make America Great Again hats, the blue ones... Fucking generic, okay. yeah. Which is just hilarious for a thousand reasons. Whatever. Um, and I, I disagree with that shit. And he and I, well, we've we've talked about some politics stuff. He gave me uh, some books. He let me borrow a book. Who was that guy that just died a couple months ago? Um, he was a right wing. 
or conservative writer. Bourdain? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck, I, I can't think of it. Show notes. Um, but anyway, it's like, I disagree with what Grandpa says. I don't believe or agree with, with his his politics and his ideal policies on, on things. But you whatever. know he's not like a former Nazi but guard. No, because here's he's just the thing. a guy. He's got a sort of mostly Jewish, though non-practicing, sure. Jew grandson-in-law. He's got a another grandson-in-law who's Taiwanese. You okay. know, like his grand his great granddaughter is going to be half Taiwanese. Sure. You know, his great grandson is half sort of Jew. You know, like whatever. The, yeah. And other than if I just avoid that shit with Grandpa, our relationship is fine. We might not. We'll never be best friends because we can't talk about everything together. You know. Well, why not? Oh, I mean, we can. I mean, that's you're the right. question. You're right. You're right. You're right. You can talk about these things. We can, but and, just and you can we leave this mean, Sure, have you're right. respect for the human you're being. Right. It's as soon as you you're assign right. any of those ideas as inherently evil, because there's only one thing to do with evil: destroy Squash it, wash it, yeah, burn the monster. Yeah, that's the only thing you can do. As soon as you assign ideas as being inherently evil with no redemptive quality, you're done. You're yeah. done. You are the Puritans of old days. You are hanging and burning witches. That's exactly what you're doing. And I, unless it's really hateful, actively hateful shit. Yeah. I can get along with pretty much anybody. Like, hey man, we disagree on this one. Or we disagree on a lot of stuff. But you know what? We have fun when we drink and go go-karting well, or whatever. We have we have fun debating the issues that we will always if end up. If you have a conversation with an avowed racist, and this has been my experience because I grew up in the South, if you have a conversation with an avowed racist, unless that person is so ingrained in it, and that's generally somebody that's quite old. Yeah. But if it's somebody younger, and you actually, instead of just, you know, because I've had those conversations. I have had those conversations where I've been in a room and somebody's told a joke that utilize the N-word. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've said, you know, why would you... Instead of going, oh, you racist piece of shit, mm-hmm. or how ashamed of you you should be. Yeah. Do you think that's the best word to use in this? Dude. I mean, it just I, literally just no, asks a question, yeah. and, and, and no judgment, no, like, I think you're a piece of shit for using that word, but... Do you think that's the best word to use there? And then they start to defend themselves. And yeah. it, uh, it always works out the same way. They start to defend themselves. And as long as I never go on the offensive, mm-hmm. they don't have to defend themselves. Right. As long as I'm just saying, I'm really just asking a question. Yeah. I am genuinely curious yeah. why that you feel that that's okay for you to use that word in this company. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just asking. And inevitably it's, well, black people use it. Okay, all right, that's fair. It's like, okay, okay, so there's the double standard, and you don't think the double standard is fair. I get it. I get it. So does it hurt you when, and I always ask the same type of question, does it hurt you when black people use that word? Well, no. I said, but it hurts black people when you use that word. Mm Mm-hmm. So who's the asshole in this equation? Right. You know, I mean, and, and it's just about having a conversation. Am I changing hearts and minds? No. no. But for God's sake, I guarantee you, if the guy says, you know, this joke with this racial epithet and I go, you are evil, you must be burned. I'm going to pick at your fucking yeah. house. That guy's never changing his no. mind. There's not no. even a possibility. No, he'll dig in deeper. You bet. Double down. Yeah. 
I had a, a girlfriend years ago, like a decade plus ago. I, um, her grandparents uh, lived down in Arizona. We went down to visit them. Uh, and the, this is the first time we visited them several times yeah. while we were together. But the first time, uh, and he was like 85 at the time. This, so I mean, he's dead now. I, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's dead now. Okay. Um, I really liked her grandparents. Her grandparents were really great, and they fucking loved me. But her grandfather. So like the first time I'm down there, like the second day we're there. Out of nowhere, he he brings out his old... He served in the war. He was in the Army Corps of Engineers. And he brought out, like, his his photo album, or, you know, from his scrapbook from the time in the... You know, his time in the service. And he just starts showing me these pictures, because I guess he recognized that I was into history. I don't know, but it Whatever was fucking it was. cool. Like, yeah. he was telling me these stories about being an Army Corps of Engin- in, in the Army Corps of Engineers, and the war, and this and that. And it was really, really great. And then he gets to these pictures of... Um, telling me this story about these... The people that he served with that were black. Yeah. And he referred to them as black balls. He said, oh, this black ball, but he was okay and this and that. And I'm like, black. And he does this a couple, and I knew what he was saying. Like, yeah. I knew that this was an insult. I'd never heard black, black people referred to as an black insult. Ball, yeah. But I knew right away that it was. It was probably not the most positive And term. every time that he said it, he's like, you know, black ball this. He, you know, this is a, one of those good black balls. And this black ball, I really like him though. And I was like, wait a minute. I said, Grandpa, why are you calling them black balls? He said, well, what would you call them? I said, well, one, I wouldn't see, feel the need to call it out. It's like they're just guys you served with. And yeah, if it's, no, come on. Well, hang honest. on. You wouldn't say they were black guys. Well, first of all, no, I wouldn't because he's showing me pictures. I can see they're black guys. All he has to say is point to this the picture guy like, here. this okay, guy did fair. this. That's you know. fair. All right. That's so, fair. okay, that's, that's first of all. And he went, okay. And I said, second of all, I'd, if I had to, just call them black people. Yeah. Or at the very least Negro. Yeah. Because at, the time, at the time that was, that was the, that was the black ball. thing to say, yeah. And he went, oh, okay. And then we just kind of went on and that was that and I never heard him say it again and he wasn't like mad at me or felt yeah, offended. It was just like, he didn't fucking know. It's about being, and it's not about and being that civil that. in uncivil times. It's about just giving people the, be- it's one of the things and it, and then we got to get to our, our six things. Mm. But it's one of the things that has served me better than, and this is something that actually changed when I turned 50. And it was something that I try, and I'm not very good at it. I try really hard. I'm not very good at it. But I'm trying, is to almost always try to make the assumption that anybody I'm talking to that I don't know is far smarter than I am. Okay. Because yeah, well, I think the thing it, about it is... At the very least, that they know things I, I just you just don't. No, I assume they are far... I, I do my okay. very best to assume, and I, and I learned this because I remember once I was online going back and forth uh, on Facebook with this guy, and it was just... And I assumed there was just an assumption in the way he was uh, approaching me that this guy was like a teenager. Mm. This guy was yeah. a 60-year-old professor. I saw something like that on yeah. Facebook, a friend's Facebook feed. This guy's like being all fucking racist yeah. about the Colin Kaepernick yeah. thing. And I'm like, who is this fucking jackass? The guy's like 65. And, and, and like, a pr- and so I went, okay, yeah. I have to assume, I have to walk in, especially in a digital world, I have to assume that anybody that I'm engaging with in any kind of conversation knows more than I do. Mm-hmm. And if I go with that universally and across the board, and it's very difficult, and I'm not very successful all the time, but I'm trying. I find that I am more respectful, mm-hmm. no matter who that person is, 
I'm more respectful. Even if their opinion is bullshit, yeah. I'm more respectful. So it's really not about being civil. It's about showing basic common respect and knowing that respect, this is the, you know, the, the honey draws more flies than vinegar. Yeah. It's like respect changes more minds than shame. Right. That's really all it was. That's why Martin Luther King changed minds. And Malcolm X was seen as a problem. He's scared to show everybody. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. All right, so my first thing to do this week is a listen. Listen to 16 Shots, the 16 Shots podcast, uh, WBZ, Chicago Tribune. Uh, it gives uh, context to the Laquan McDonald murder by Justin Van Dyke. Um, a, alleged murder, whatever, no, the, murder. Killing, the Fuck, killing, the killing, I think murder is it's a, a mur- legal term, but the killing of he Laquan McDonald's He was charged by, with first degree murder, so it's murder. But he hasn't been, a, a, he hasn't been well, found like, guilty of it that's yet. That's so. He hasn't been found guilty of it, but even if he's not found guilty of murder, first degree murder, it was probably second degree murder. He just wasn't charged okay. with it. So. Um, but give but that yes. a listen, because it provides context for how this all played out to bring us up to date today, uh, which is as the trial is happening and unfolding, and then they're going to keep it going. So it's a it's it's really great. All right, my first one then is it's this is going to be a little. You did it very heavy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something a little lighter. Okay. We didn't talk about Hollywood. We didn't. We talked last last week. We talked about Crazy Rich Asians and Hollywood. Sort of yeah, would be Hol- a great name for a, uh, a, a town. Well, no, like a place where they make movies for a uh, a lady with a dick in Ooh, porn. In porn, that would be a good. What porn do you call site. ladies with dicks? Uh, Hermaphrodites. Hermaphrodites. That's well, I mean, that, they're not actually, that's technically not even a correct term anymore yeah. or a used term. But anyway. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> as we talked a little bit about Hollywood last night, I read this a while back and I reread it uh, just this week because I went, yeah, this is a major, we're having a major shift in Hollywood mm-hmm. when it comes to inclusion and diversity and that kind of thing. And I went, when was the last time we had this kind of a massive change in our mass media? When the talkies came around? No, 1968. I want you to read Pictures at a Revolution, Five Movies, and the Birth of the New Hollywood by Mark Harris. Okay. 1968, the Oscar race for 1968 pitted things like big old school Dr. Doolittle Mm -hmm. um, and uh, In the Heat of the Night. Yep. And uh, Bonnie and Clyde, which was an indie film. Yeah. And so it's a really fascinating book. It's very well written. It talks about how each movie was made and the perception of that movie mm-hmm. and how basically it was the end of the studio film. Right. And the beginning we're of the contract sort of this, for MGM and yeah, all that stuff. We're going to put you on a picture, Dave. You know, renegade, yeah. mm-hmm. like we're going to tell the true story about Vietnam and we're going to get gritty and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a really nice sort of portrayal. And if you, if you tie it to, at least I did because I was reading tie it to sort of the massive changes that are going on when it comes to diversity in film and and, and really getting some color on the screen, I think it really is ap- applicable. Yeah. I think it's very applicable and, it, and it, it's instructive. So Now that year, was that the, did Bonnie and Clyde win that yes. year? Yes, they did. And that would explain why Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway were fucked up the Oscars exactly. last year. That's exactly That right. was last year, right? That was they, last yeah. year. Yeah. God, that was funny. Anyway, speaking of Warren Beatty... There you go. My next thing... This was not planned at all. <laughs> my next thing is a watch. Watch Bullworth. Bullworth, yes. 1996, it's, Warren Beatty his film. His rapping still sucks, but that's a good but movie. But that's the whole point of it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a um, good movie. I don't remember watching it at the time that it came out. I was a junior or senior in high school whenever yeah. I, you know. Um, 
But I was talking to a buddy of mine, and we were just talking about, like, the similarities of, like, the the unhinged politician who just tells it like it is. Yeah. And how liberals embrace it. And it's not the same thing as Trump. No, like, no, not know, at all. Bullworth wasn't a hateful bastard. He was just like, no, I don't, we don't care about South Central LA because you guys don't give to our campaigns. Yeah, you know, like a, that's, yeah he told the truth. Yeah. Give that movie a watch. It's a really uh, good movie. It's really funny. Yeah, it's super funny. It's fast and strange. Yeah. Um, and, and Halle Berry is not a bad actor. The thing is, the thing is and it's <laughs> a movie that, that, that could never be made today. No. Nobody would make that movie Mm-mm. today. Not in a million years. And it's really well cast. Like there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of people in it. Bullworth. All right. Yeah. Speaking of politics of race. Okay, love this. Um, here's a listen. My second is a listen. Um, and this is what I'm gonna do. Is anybody that's listening that is far left, I really want to challenge you. Um, just because what you assume about Sam Harris is 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 really not true. You've kind of pigeonholed Sam Harris. So I want you to listen to the podcast, Waking Up with Sam Harris, but specifically, I want you to listen to episode number 134. Number 134 is entitled Beyond the Politics of Race, A Conversation with Coleman Hughes. Now, Coleman Hughes is a, uh, uh, an African-American writer. He is a young, he's a philosophy student. He's pretty young, um, but he has written some things for Quillette, okay. um, and it is... He's an excellent writer, and he has some very reasoned responses for um, why he, as a young black man, really eschews identity politics. And it's it, it's, okay. it's really, but it's a very interesting conversation, and it's not at all this right-wing screed. It is yeah. just very measured, thoughtful conversation that kind of looks at all the issues. And there's some different sides to it. I highly recommend it. Number 134, okay. Waking Up with Sam Harris. So my, my last thing to do this week is a read. If you haven't yet, which you probably already have, read that New York Times opinion article Yep, that came out. Um, and if you have read it, go back, read it again, and then ask yourself why that, why that person is a chicken shit troublemaker. Why not just slap your name on it? That's it. Just, just read it and pose that question to yourself as, as, as you finish it. And my third thing is, as I alluded to earlier, this is uh, Megan Daum, uh, The Unspeakable, and Other Subjects of Discussion. Um, if you want to find the Medium article, I absolutely recommend it because she's, uh, but that, that Medium article uh, really made me want to buy her book. And I mean, I read this article and within less than three minutes bought her book. I mean, okay. that was how fast it was. She is an excellent writer, really relatable. This is a book of personal essays. Um, that really talks about it, it, it tackles subjects that you're just not supposed to admit to. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the very first, and I haven't read the whole book. That's, I mean, it's that recent. But the very first piece is called Matricide, and it is about her very unsentimental approach to her mother's death. Huh. And um, it, it is all, like I said, it's all stuff you're not really supposed to comfortably talk about. Yeah. You know, but it is all, it's about, it's about uh, the death of a mother, her decision not to have children and why. Um, it is, it, it's all of, it's, and I highly recommend, just from what I've read already, 
it reminds me a bit of Joan Didion if she was a little bit more millennial. <laughs> and uh, really does. It really does. And uh, it's, 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 it's once in a while when I read a writer that makes me so goddamn insanely jealous yeah. that it makes me want to be able to write that good. Mm-hmm. I love that because it motivates me to write You want to write that well. Oh, fuck off. And that's the podcast. Thanks for listening, and please do uh, subscribe and leave a review and tell your friends and family about it. Tell your enemies, too. We appreciate it. This has been the Literate Apecast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on literateape.com slash podcasts. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Locomotive. You can catch them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. 